This is the Norse Wilderness Podcast. We sit down to talk about wild things and wild places. I am an enthusiast for an adventurous lifestyle and your host, Justin Stearns. I am joined here by my son, another lover of the outdoors, and your co-host, Tyson. This is an explicit podcast. If cussing offends you, my apologies. Today we're going to be talking about archery. Why are we talking about archery, though? I'm not really too for sure. It's the first 3D shoot of the year is coming up this weekend. I am. Uh, Calvin, uh, Tyler's sister, asked. So, Western Parks annual, or Split Mountains annual Western Parks 3D shoot. It's an indoor 3D shoot, which is good because there's still three feet of snow on the ground. Yeah, it's, I mean, everywhere else it'd be, like, impossible to do an archery shoot because everywhere else just has so much snow on it. I know. But they've been doing this indoor one for like 25 years or something like that. Yeah, they got they got all this stuff in the out behind like the rink and stuff, don't they? Like all the Sasquatch things. Those aren't for the archery shoot. I'm not uh, sure what those are for, but those aren't for the archery shoot. Those are the only, that's the only thing I could think they'd be used for is like maybe rubber heads. That's what I thought too, but they never use them, so I don't know what those are used for. But people from all over, like all over the country, come to this. Really? Mm-hmm. Like pro archers, like semi-pro, I should guess you should say. You don't ever see like Levi Morgan or anything like that. The guy that won Vegas two years ago, he shoots for PSE now. Can't remember his name, but he's a local Utah guy. I think he's out of Ogden. He came to it two years ago. What is his name? Kyle Douglas, that's it. He come to it two years ago. I know that was so random, sorry. Have you ever gone before? To the Western Park shoot? Yeah. Yeah, I've done it twice. So the year I was a member, I don't know if you're a member, but when I was a member of the Split Mountain Archers, I, was I had to uh, sit the stand to do my volunteer hours and everything. So I had to sit up in the little booth and wave the flag when this uh, range was clear and when the range was hot and all that. Oh, Sat down there all day. But I got to shoot it twice for free, too. But I sat down there all day. So when you want, how many uh, targets would you take a guess they had? They have 20. They're all under about 40 yards, but they do have one. The very last one's like 70 yards. It's a poke. But I love that long-range shit. It's where you get good. I would truly believe that if you practice long-range. So I practice that at 120 yards so that I know I can shoot a deer at 60 yards. That's practice will really help especially if the longer you go the more easier the more comfortable you're going to be with that any other range yeah practice is very important and that's why i try to shoot at least six arrows a day which is kind of sad on my part because i went to grab my bow and there's spider webs on it <laughs> not mine try to shoot six a day at least two of your bows i bet have spider webs on them because they don't fit me anymore uh-huh so if you're in the market for a bow and you're about six foot to six foot one, I have a couple of bows for you. They just don't fit me because I'm six four. But practice is very important. I mean, one thing. So when I was my first mule deer, that a mule deer buck that I ever killed, was with a bow. 
I think I was, yeah, I was 16. And we were just, the opening morning, we hadn't really seen much. We'd been out scouting, or glassing, just hadn't seen much. So we was just driving back to camp, sitting in the back of the truck. And there's like four of us sitting in the bed of this truck. And Josh is driving, just driving along. And I'm sitting on the cooler in the back of the truck. There's Sage and Jake and I think Alan all put up, but I can't remember. And he stops and goes, there's a buck. And no one else could see it. And I could just see one side of its horn. I'm like, oh, it's just a two-point. And it's opening morning, so I wanted to be a little picky. And after that, he just stood there at 15 yards from the truck. And someone's like, Josh is like, someone at least shoot at this thing. It's not running away. I was like, all right, I will. I could see its vitals. I was like, I'll do it. Go to start drawing back. And about halfway through my draw cycle, I get a cramp right in my side because I'm sitting on a cooler and I've never shot sitting down before didn't have them muscles built up so I'm drawn back and it's like <laughs> took everything I could to draw that bow back all the way ended up killing that buck and everybody was pissed because it was a four point oh <laughs> everybody's all you lying son of a bitch you said it was a two point I was like well I could only see two times I mean I don't think I mean, I bet they would have believed you after seeing that you were just so calm. That would have been funny to be there. It was my first buck ever with a bow. First buck ever. But uh, after that, we all was like, try to track it down. Blood trailing it. And we look for like 45 minutes, can't find it. And we're all like kind of getting discouraged. Like, oh, I made a bad shot. On our way back to the truck, we find it. It died 20 yards from where I shot it. And somehow we all missed it. There were six of us, and we all missed it. How do you miss that? Don't know. Do you guys? Did you guys go blindfolded the first <laughs> twenty to thirty yards? Hey, we'll be talking to you when you're blood trailing your first deer. It's not as easy as you think. It was pretty easy with your elk until it vanished. Exactly, they just vanish. But that's why I practice shooting sitting down. In which that bit me in the ass last year. I destroyed my bow. I'd have it rebuilt because I was sitting down, but there was a table in front of me, and I didn't realize my bottom cam was going to hit that table when I released, and it did. And it fucking flung the string off, flung the arrow wall wild, fucked some shit up. Wow, that, that Oh, I need to far. stop that cussing. That last episode cost me $25. This one's already cost me a couple, I can tell. I've actually been paying very close attention <laughs> to this. Yeah, it's... Have you even listened to the episodes that I've edited and posted? Two. The first two that we That's did. That's Yeah. Okay, well, you should listen to them and listen to the ending. Especially that last one. Listen to the ending. But, so I practice kneeling, sitting down. And at the Western Park shoot, there is one shot you have to take that's sitting. And it sucks because you're taking a sitting shot and there's a piece of plywood in front of you that you have to shoot through like a window like you're sitting in a blind or something and it's too short for me so last the first year I did it I shot through it sitting like you're supposed to with the chair they provide and I couldn't quite get my bow high enough to hit the target and there's a metal trough in front of it so I dead x that fucking metal trough destroyed an arrow so last year when I did it I was like fuck that I'm not destroying another arrow and making an ass in front of myself in front of hundreds of people and I kicked the chair out of the way and took a kneeling shot because kneeling I could get low enough to actually shoot through this opening that would be uh, funny having to 
And dude, when you hit a metal trough with an arrow, and bong, everyone knows you hit the fucking trough. It sounds like one of those oh. Japanese movies where they ring the con. <laughs> and last year, on the last shot, <clears throat> I'm waiting for the range to clear, and I'm watching this guy next to me, and he looks like a professional archer. Got the whole get up and everything, got the jersey, all of it. And I look over, and the guy's drawn back. Has no arrow. And I'm like, okay. My number one rule is, you know, you never draw a bow without an arrow in it. But I was like, okay, maybe pros do. I don't know. And I'm like, you don't have an arrow knocked. And I start telling everybody, just whispering to him, like, hey, that guy don't have an arrow knocked, and he's aiming. (laughs) Fucking dry fired that bow. (laughs) I was like, ooh. I had to turn around because I was dying. I was cracking up. That's when you walk away. I need a drink. Start laughing. Wait, you also said this is why we do 3D shoots of like TAC or Mountain Archery Fest, but TAC's way better. You go on them 3D shoots that you're shooting on these steep uphill shots, steep downhill shots, steep side hill shots, because you need to practice shooting in an actual hunting environment. And it's crazy, especially side hill. Like downhill and uphill, you need to learn how to adjust your sight for shooting uphill and shooting downhill. That always kicks my ass, but I usually get the hang of it. But shooting side hill, it really throws you off because you think you're canting your bow level. You feel good, and then you look at your level right before you shoot, and you're like, holy shit, I'm like at a 45-degree angle here because it's that optical illusion of the hill going like this and your bow going like this. So you're used to shooting on flat ground, so you have your bow tilted like this because it's what you can see, and you're not looking at your level. It's bad. So... Always should do 3D shoots for practicing real-time archery for hunting purposes. (laughs) You need to get comfortable shooting in different awkward stances when you're shooting side hill and uphill like that because shooting flat ground, we all practice our perfect form and everything. And you can't do that when you're on steep hills. I highly recommend going to 3D archery events that create this, like TAC does. Mountain Archery Fest does pretty good at it, but I like TAC more. The meeker one did not. It was pretty much flat ground shooting. Well, I mean, if you like this uh, side hill archery, you should go set up some your deer target or the bear target up on these huge ice hills. <laughs> That'd be the perfect practice. Get ready for hunting. And the last bit of practice that I like to do is draw my bow back, anchor in, and hold for one minute, then shoot. Because that's practicing, you're seeing an elk or deer coming through the trees, but you can't get a quiet shot yet. You draw your bow when he's not looking, and he's still walking. And so you're just holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it. So you got to get used to holding that weight and building them muscles. I don't know why. I just think if you were to put a deer, like, if you have that deer target, it's completely covered in ice right now, but if you were to get tracks on that, set it on, like, a rotation move, I'd be like practicing for just like what you said because with archery there's so many steps to it you have to practice perfect form every time on how to draw your bow drawing your bow is super important in my opinion and where I learned that was from Chris B if you haven't heard of him you've heard of him right yeah but he's got a couple of videos that are very instrumental on how to draw a bow and I seen something the other day that everybody's like, 
or this one guy's like, everyone's shoulder's different, you do what's comfortable for you. And it makes sense because everybody is a little bit different. I've watched Chris B's video and ever since then I've paid attention to professional archers and they all do it the same. They all raise high, pull push, down lock in. Just a solid motion. And it's smooth. They're so smooth at it. It's like, they're onto something there. I mean, that's why they're professionals. I always like to stand open. And so open is your back foot is slightly more forward than your front foot. And closed would be your front foot being forward of your back foot. Neutral would be just straight line and parallel with the target. Or I guess that'd be perpendicular. And I've been thinking about a lot of this lately because I got a list of that new bow. And she hasn't shot since she was your age. And so another thing I've been talking about is, and I'm bad about this, and this is how I know that you need to do it, because I think of everything I do wrong and try to help people do better at what I do wrong. And after you shoot, you need to hold your sight on your target for a full one Mississippi. And you watch professional archers, and they don't do this. They do that perfect breaking form. But what I've noticed is that I and other people I watch end up just slightly relaxing just a millisecond before they actually pull the trigger because you get that thought in your head you're like oh i'm done i don't have to hold anymore and you shoot just a millisecond you have that just one millisecond and everything ends up moving just a little bit and so you don't end up quite hitting where you thought because you your brain told you oh you're over and you relaxed and shot and didn't hit where you're supposed to and I heard that from one of the professional archer here in town that used to be an Olympic archer. He said, you hold for a full one Mississippi go. You shoot one Mississippi. Just to make sure that arrow goes right where you want it. Mm-hmm. Just to train yourself from actually relaxing before the arrow's gone. Because you end up relaxing a millisecond before that arrow's gone. And it moves. Which that can really just mess up a hunt. Mm-hmm. So you got to practice what you want to do hunting. So if you practice perfect archery and go to these 3D events so you know how to do it at on these steep trains and in real life situations, then you know what you're going to be facing when it comes down when you finally get that one opportunity, that one shot. Are you going to take it or just let it slip? You didn't catch the Slim Shady quote there? No. <laughs> if you had one shot, one opportunity, would you grab it or just let it slip? I haven't listened to Slim Shady in a minute been a minute though since i've shot yeah you need to start shooting i told you that the other day i told you the other day that i'd let you shoot here in the basement if it's from the door in which that builds form you're not really getting to practice distance but you're practicing form form it's all in the form and the biggest tip i can give is just make sure you're consistent every shot needs to be consistent every time i mean even like as telling Alyssa, because we're tuning her bow you can make be accurate with an out-of-tune bow because an out-of-tune bow is going to hit the same every time as well as long as you do everything this exact same every time i believe in tuning bows and there's not a bow shop in this town that does and that's why i built my bow shop because there's no one in this town that wants to tune bows because it's a pain in the ass i've spent hours tuning mine you got a really nice bow and set up yeah it's and the reason why you tune a bow is there's two reasons. First is so your broadheads that you hunt with hit where your field points do. Because you probably haven't noticed this much because you haven't shot your broadheads very much. Ever. 
Yeah, I think we've only put broadheads on your bow once, and that was for turkey hunting. Yeah. I don't think you ever shot them. But it's crazy. You'll, and I've had this happen before, back when I shot or hunted archery before. You shoot all summer with your field points, and it's like opening May season tomorrow, throw on some broadheads, and you're like, okay, I got a foam block. I'm going to see what these do. You shoot, and it hits like low and right by a lot at 20 yards, and you're like, what the fuck? I know this thing's on site. You throw a field point in it, and it hits where it's supposed to. And you're like, what the fuck? It's because your bow's not tuned. So I highly, and there's two things you can do to tune, and I recommend watching John Dudley on how to tune a bow. He's going to teach you a lot on tuning a bow. I can't explain it very well. I just know how to do it. Not very good at explaining it, but you got paper tuning and broadhead tuning. Broadhead tuning is you get you take your broadhead and you uh oh, I can't remember exactly how you do this because I've only done it once, but you shoot the target at like six feet. If it hits where you was aiming, great. If not, you move instead of moving your sight to where your broadhead just hit, you move your rest to where your broadhead just hit. And then once it's right, good, you step back to like 20 yards and do it again. And instead of moving your sight, you move your rest. Same with paper tuning. You move your rest to where it's moving or to where it's hitting. So paper tuning, and you've seen me do it, and that's why I have the paper tune jig over there. You got tear right, tear left, tear up, tear down. And you want it to be making perfect bullet holes through it. To get a better picture of that, I highly recommend you go watch John Dudley. It takes hours to tune a bow for me because I'm not very good at it. I can eventually get it done. John Dudley's probably a lot quicker, but he's set up a lot more bows than I have. Well, you've, you've set up all the bows in here, besides a few. Yeah. Well, I've only set up like four or five bows, maybe six, seven. Yeah, I was going to say it's... And I've offered to help people with it, but no one ever takes me up on it. I'm okay with that. It's less time you have to spend on it. <laughs> and... The reason why I haven't sold them bows is bows are so designed for a specific person. That My old Hoyt right there, it does not have an adjustable draw length. It's just a solid 29-inch draw length, so the person has to be 6 foot, 6 foot 1 to shoot it. Plus, they have to be strong enough to pull a 70-pound bow, which if you're 6 foot, you most likely can, but not everyone can. And not some maybe don't want to. Maybe they only want a 50 to 60-pound bow. That other one, it has an adjustable draw length, but it's only by two inches. It goes from 27 to 29. So, so it's pretty much the same as So you're talking yours. someone that's 5'9 to 6 foot that can shoot that bow. And that one is a 50 to 60 pound bow. Someone actually wants it, but they want a 70 pound bow instead of a 60 pound bow. It's like, hmm. But that's what's ho- nice about like your Clash, your Hoyt Clash, is it has an adjustable draw length from 20 inch to clear up to like 29 inch or 30 inch. Huge adjustable draw length. It goes from, I think, 18 pounds up to 60 pounds or 70 pounds, something like that. So I'd never need a new bow unless it broke. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure when you get turn about 16 or 17, you're going to be wanting a new bow. You're going to be wanting something that shoots like mine, fast and hard. <coughs> Another good one that you should go watch would be uh, Joel Turner. He's yeah, His YouTube channel is called Shot IQ. He doesn't do, just do bows. He does rifles as well. He's mainly bows. He helps. He does classes with a lot of compounds. Him personally, he mostly shoots traditional. He's where I learned how to use my release properly. 
watching a couple of his videos. And because everyone is different, I suggest watching all these different people and finding what works for you. Try it and find what works for you. Don't just say that Crispy is the best. Don't say that Joel Turner is the best. Don't say that Elk Shapes is the best. Don't say John Dudley is the best. Find what works for you. Because the biggest thing in archery is just make sure it's consistent and it's got to work for you. And just like when I was shooting rifles for the first time, I would throw my head way over the scope, use my other eye, but... <laughs> That's when we found out I'm just left-eyed dominant. Yeah, and that sucked because I originally bought you a right-handed bow not thinking about it, and I was like, fuck. Which also sucks because I could have probably used your bow, your old one. And now I'm like, okay, now you have to shoot left-handed because I'm right-handed. Now you can't use any of my shit. You have to have fucking left-handed rifles, left-handed bows. Speaking of left-handed rifle, you have a badass one upstairs. That's a super nice rifle. You need to put a super nice scope on it. There's a scope. I forgot what it's called. It's no, it's two thousand five hundred though. A lot of money. Yeah, get better grades. But another reason that brought this archery episode on is that in the last two weeks we've been setting up Alyssa's bow. Mm, has it been two weeks? Not quite. Well, today I guess is two weeks today. No, it's still not. I think it's only ten days. But we got her the Hoyt Eclipse, and she's just returning to archery. And like I already talked about this, she, she's returning hasn't shot archery since she was your age where was i going with that oh, i don't remember where i was going with that but if you're new to archery or just returning to archery and never really got super invested into it or whatever i highly recommend researching the proper bow shop and i'm not going to throw anyone under the bus in this town but i will say i'm not there's a reason why i have my own bow shop in my basement it's all i'll say is that i built my own bow shop because uh, try not to be rude to anybody but they all just care about selling a bow rather than setting it up like when I got my new Hoyt they didn't even offer to set it up they just said here it is special order this fucking bow set it up three days before archery season because they told me it'd be here in two weeks and it took eight weeks they just care about the money yeah they cared that they just got me two thousand dollars so I rushed home and spent six hours. I stayed up to like one in the morning setting that bow up just so I could go hunting that weekend for opening morning. That'd be fun. <laughs> and they just care about actually just selling the bow rather than making sure they get a bow that fits you, making sure it's not too heavy, too light, the right draw length. And what a lot of them do is they don't sit there and take the time to have you shoot a few arrows through the bow. Make sure it's tuned. If you watch some of Hush's, the Hush videos when they go to Wild Arrow Archery in Salt Lake, they spend a few hours at their bow shop because they get the bow set up perfectly for them by Wild Arrow Archery. So if you're in Utah, I highly recommend going to them because maybe they just do it for the Hush guys. I hope not. I hope they do it for everyone. But they actually put you into the right bow. Make sure that your passion for archery will live strong because it was done right the first time. They didn't just sell you a bow. They told you, this is what you got to do. This is going to take a couple hours to set this up. we got to put everything on, tune it, make sure it's shooting for you. Because I can't tune a bow for you. Because how you hold the bow depends on so much on the tuning. So for a new archer, it is hard to tune a bow to a new archer because they're still getting used to how to hold a bow. But you still take the time to set that up and explain to them how important the grip is. Explain to them how important your grip is. That is the most important number one step is how to grip a bow. 
and then you help them tune it and say, okay, after you've shot for two or three months, come back and we'll retune it. Because after two or three months, things are going to change and they might need some upkeep on their form. And it just pisses me off that there's no bow shop in Merle that does it. I get why. There's no money in it. If they spent five or six hours with every person that just bought one bow, they'd make no money at it. I get it. But charge for it. Like, hey, I'm going to offer this. Because you bought the bow for 100 bucks, we'll do a setup fee. $100 setup fee in which most bow shops include if you buy the bow, you get a setup fee. But they don't do it right. It's like, no. Okay, this is what the bow costs. If you want us to help you set it up and get into archery properly, it's going to be another $100. It's just what it is because it is part of your time. And time is money. I get that. Offer it, though. I mean, yeah, it only takes like 20, 30 minutes to like bolt all your accessories on. It's actually doing it properly that takes hours. Making sure everything just is perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah. I I could go on and on about how much that pisses me off with these bow shops in town. And I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus because I know one of the shop owners and I really like him. But still doesn't mean I think he does it quite right. Once again, I'm just going to say, practice. It's so important. You want me to set that up? Practice is the most important thing to archery. You need to practice every day. And if you can't afford every day, which most people should be able to, I live a fairly busy lifestyle and can manage it most days. I get five to six days a week I shoot at least six arrows. Granted, I set it up and built this house to where I can shoot 20 yards here in the basement. We have on the side of the house where we can get 30, 40 yards. We can go out in the field and shoot 120 yards. So I know my situation is a little different than some, but you should be able to find somewhere where you can do it. Even if you have to just blank bail shoot where you're right next to it shooting, practicing that form, honestly, that's probably going to be better than me going out in the field and shooting 120 yards. Because when you're blank bail shooting, you don't really care about how much pin flow you have. Practice where you can and where you can. Archery is life. I just like the calm of the shot when I'm holding my bow back, just getting ready. Just I love the calm that I feel right as soon as I just release. I love that feeling. That's, I think it's going to be cool to get all the targets out and set them up. I can't wait. But, you know, there's three feet of snow on. I so. I tried to dig that deer out. I tried to dig my target out in the field. It's frozen down. But I so want to go get some snowshoes just so I can go out in the field and shoot. I've almost done it twice. Twice I went to Sportsman's to buy snowshoes, and they're $120, and I was like, eee, a not. I mean, I still want to dig that deer out, because, I mean, I want to get, get it. Because on that, on that target, I can actually practice shooting at the vitals, making sure when I go for the kill shots, perfect. The last thing I wanted to talk about, and I know we haven't talked about a lot, and some of these... We'll need to do a deeper dive into, and I'm not done talking about archery because I love archery. I mean, you see that I've built my own bow shop. Here we sit in the bow shop, like 11 bows over there, the the arrow table over there. You're blocking, but I have my homemade bow press over there. Got the draw board over there, my homemade bow or arrow saw, my homemade bow vise. Yes, all my stuff is homemade because I'm a tight wad and don't want to pay for it. I mean, a bow vise is like $300. A bow press is like $1,000. I built all this stuff out of scrap metal. 
So all it cost me was the wire and gas I put into my welder. Once again, the last thing I want to talk about is arrow selection. And so many people get this wrong. I've had semi-pro archers get it wrong that told me they're, and they're doing it wrong. But nowadays, when you go buy arrows from a store, you'll see that they have a graph on what spine of arrows you should be shooting. I build all my own arrows now. I don't buy pre-fletched. We fletch them. And you can see with all the arrows I have around here, I've tried when I get bored of them. And yes, you can re-fletch and re-wrap. You scrape your fletches off, put them in boiling water for 30 seconds, and the arrow wrap peels right off. But the reason why I say arrow selection is that pink arrow up there that I have Robin Hooded. It's a 500 spine arrow. Granted, I was shooting that out of my 29, but that bow still, I should have been shooting a 300 spine. My new RX4, I'm shooting a 250 spine with it because it's so fast. I was way underspined. Them arrows are weak, flimsy. So you can Pinterest it. That's where I find my spine chart as I have it on Pinterest. But you can Google it. Most arrows you buy anymore come with a spine chart. Any website you buy arrows from are going to have a spine chart. If you go to a big box store, look on the back of the packaging. They'll usually have a spine chart of what spine you should be shooting. Make sure you shoot the proper spine. And the reason why the proper spine is an underspined or overspined arrow. For one, you can't tune them because they flex too much or they wave too much. Next is if it's underspined, you're not going to get any penetration into your animal. And if it's overspined, it has no torque. Make sure you're shooting the proper spine. So you have to find that metal part? Mm-hmm. There's lots of things you can get into like FOC and how to break it up by adding weight to the front or the rear, moving your fletches forward a half an inch or to the rear a half an inch. There's so many things you can do. And I'm not a huge believer in FOC. I still try to hold to that true 10%. But if it's in, in there, then I don't care. I'm not huge on that because I don't change my point weight. I shoot 100 points. It's just what I shoot. Everybody has their thing. Me, I've always shot 100 all my stuff's 100 so why would I change it? It just cost me more money to change. I highly recommend gold tip arrows. Love them. They're a little bit cheaper than Easton. And there's other brands out there, but to me it's just Easton gold tip for now. There's other ones, and then there's the super high-end ones like Day6 gear and all that. Or Day6 arrows, whatever it's called. Really want to get some someday, but just to see if the hype's worth it. But according to their specs, my Hunter XTs were the same spec for a quarter of the price. And now I'm shooting them black label quantums that are even better specced in day six. So, And they're still a third the price. But I did just buy Alyssa Easton's, which sucks because now I need to get Easton knocks and Easton inserts for when she breaks them and shit. I already had everything for the gold tips we shoot. Had them all. Had all the different gold tip knocks, all the gold, different gold tip inserts. Had them all for when shit breaks. Because as you can see, I keep all the arrows so I can cut them down for you guys. Because for you, and now that you're going to start hunting, when you start hunting with it, we'll actually get you into some proper arrows. But for practice and everything, until you get better at it, you're just using my old arrows. Because they're not cheap. So for now, you I just cut them down to your length and now you shoot them. For hunting arrows, when it gets close to archery season and you actually decide you want to hunt with your bow this year, next year, whenever... We'll make sure your bow's perfect in there with the proper arrow selection, proper tuning, and all that. But until then, we'll let you just break and lose those ones, right? Might as well, they're free. Yeah. 
You're going to throw him away. It's not. Yeah. But then there's Brooklyn. Let her shoot him. Cannon. Which I still got to set up his bow. But I think I bought him the wrong bow. I bought him a right-handed bow for Christmas. But that's because I was at Sportsman's and I was like, I don't know what to get Cannon. Just searching around, searching around. I was like, fuck it. A bow. Bought him a bow. Alyssa said he's right-handed. And I was like, okay, I'm just praying he's right-eye dominant. But Alyssa said he's left-eye dominant now. So I'm like, oh, fuck. I still got to get him down here and spend a couple hours with him shooting it and getting it set up for him. Isn't my bow uh, have a high enough poundage to hunt with now? Yeah. Yours is already at 40 pounds. You can hunt with yours technically. I recommend going as high as you can. And like I told Alyssa, go as high as you can, but you still need to be comfortable. You still got to hold it for a minute. You still got to draw it perfect. So you don't raise your poundage until you know that you're ready for that next step. Don't raise it too soon and ruin your archery form. Because plus you have to be able to pull that back smoothly so that way you don't yank it back and there goes a deer flying. Exactly. So, well, you got anything else on that? Mm-mm. You didn't talk much about archery. But no. you're not into it as quite as much as I am. I mean, I don't have that much experience with hunting or anything, so. A little bit of news that I found on RMEF's website is about wolves in Colorado. The title of the article is RMEF offers comment on Colorado wolf management plan. And once again, I'll just read a quote from this article. It's two paragraphs. RMEF appreciates the plans and acknowledgement that elk and other ungulates are socially, ecologically, and economically important to Colorado in general and CPW in particular. Maintaining a robust ungulate population to support these existing priorities and additional predation by wolves will require increased monitoring by CPW, testified Suzanne Roller, RMEF's Senior Conservation Program Manager. Among the other points, RMEF emphasizes that introducing wolves will likely have an impact on the currently declining elf-slash-cow ratios in the southern half of the state. If wolf predation leads to elk and deer populations falling below objective, active wolf management must be variable uh, and must be a viable response. They go on to say that they support so many breeding pairs and all that, but they are pretty much stating that when you write this plan, lethal removal to address depredation conflicts must be as a plan. So they're saying if elk and deer populations of Colorado fall below objective. It needs to be in the plan that it's okay to go in there and kill these wolves. Because all these other states that had these wolf management plants, it wasn't allowed. So deer and elk herds are falling way below because elk sky or wolves are skyrocketing. Elk and deer are falling way below objective. But they can't go in there and shoot them because it wasn't a part of the plan. So it took them years to be able to go hunt elk or wolves in Idaho. And now the elk herds in Idaho are just decimated by fucking wolves. So they're saying if you're going to reintroduce wolves which you can't call it reintroduce because there's already fucking 150 confirmed wolves in Utah. Or not Utah, Colorado. You need to be able to address it. You need to be able to issue licenses, whatever, to address too many wolves because they do very well. My opinion, we don't need them. On these struggling deer herds and elk herds, why would we put another predator on the landscape? We already have bears at a huge predation. Mountain lions, huge predation. Coyotes. I mean, there's, in Utah, it's a $50 bounty on coyotes because of our deer population. 
Our objective in Utah is 400,000 mule deer statewide. We're at 300,000, so we're below objective. Our Utah DNR should be going to Colorado and be like, okay, if you're going to do this, you somehow make sure your fucking walls stay in your fucking state, jackass. Because we don't need them over here. We're already struggling with our deer populations. I don't get why anywhere would want wolves. It just sounds like introducing a virus, pretty much. It is. Liberal-ass fucking tree huggers that go, Ooh, pretty wolf, can I pet it? Boop the snoop. They're the same ones that see a bobcat and go, Ooh, fluffy. When they don't realize that's fucking Mittens the Serial Murder Kitten. (laughs) That was two F-bombs that I heard. Yeah, this episode's probably going to cost me ten fucking dollars. But I highly recommend you go out and read this uh, article. Army F offers comment on Colorado Wolf Management Plan, Management Plan, February 21st, 2023. To find it, go to rmef.org, click the tab at the top that says what we do, and go to latest news. Now they should have some, everyone just write out their opinion on what wolves do right over what wolves, wolves do wrong. Oh, they do. But it's being led by the liberal ass fucking front of Denver. Denver? Because it's... Denver's a huge liberal city. And there's... I can't remember the population, but it's probably like 4 million that live in Denver in the surrounding area. It's a lot, so... So, in the, on the eastern slope of Colorado, there's like 4 million people. And then there's like only a half a million that lived in the rest of the state that actually deal with the wolves. So, yeah, it's because it gets voted in by these millions of people because they have a bigger voice than us. But they don't actually know how fucking the world works. It's just like everything else in the world. Retards running it. Just like the British comedian I was watching the other day. He says, I just visited America. I really like it. Love America. I've learned that one thing that you guys do is you just do everything we do here in Britain. But you do it bigger and better. You know? Like, our, our town idiots down at the park yelling at the clouds. You're village idiot. He's president. There's a slam against old Joe. Old Biden. Well, got anything to say? Nope. All right, people. We'll let y'all go for the evening. Have a good one. Bye, folks. Find your peace within the shop. Another $19 towards conservation after that one, guys.